At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm Revelivo, welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Craig Peterson, now part of the Easton Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you in the second segment. We're going to be joined by Annie Sabo. We wound up seeing a very interesting result with the Reds yesterday. We unfortunately wound up doing the interview just before then, but with that said, Annie does a great job over there at Bally Sports. Pretty much northwest part of the country. I think that Bally Sports has something with like all these individual teams. She does pre- and post-game work for the Cincinnati Reds on the TV side. And we're going to be asking her a little bit about this Reds team in general. Certainly has been an uptick from what we wound up seeing in the beginning of the year. They started out 3-19 and and ever since then 30-35, and which obviously leaves a little bit of something to be desired. But certainly a big, giant uptick from there. And we're going to be asking about what she's noticed with regards to some of the guys that have been able to rise up. Some of the young pitchers that have been able to do a solid job. The team's home and road splits. And then on top of that, going to take a look at the NL Central as a whole. And she, like myself, not necessarily so bullish on the Milwaukee Brewers. So we are in lockstep on that. So we're going to have a great chat in the second segment with Annie. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at junit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters here. Amy mean, does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. 
Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we had a fun day of baseball on Tuesday, so let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. How about if we wind up starting out with that Cincinnati Reds team who was down 3-0 to going into the top of the ninth inning against the New York Yankees. I don't know what this was live. Apparently someone on Twitter told me that this was 46-1, which sounds about right with the Reds on the live money line, but they get the job done 4-3 to against the New York Yankees and what was just a complete and utter meltdown from the New York Yankees as, yeah, Garrett Cole deliver a great start. Seven scoreless innings, 11 strikeouts. You can't ask much more out of him. Michael King gives you a scoreless inning, and then Clay Holmes, who entered into this game with an ERA that was hovering right in the neighborhood of 0.50 and gets no outs and gives up four runs as Juan Peralta has to try to put out the fire. Couldn't quite do so, and for the Yankees, they didn't wind up getting a lot of offense in this one either. As for the Cincinnati Reds, they wound up being able to get all their runs off of I think that there was a hit-by-pitch in there. There was an infield single, and there was a little bit of other small ball as well. But for the Cincinnati Reds, Graham Ashcraft, not a great start in this one. Gives up three runs over the course of five innings. But a bullpen of the Reds that is dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA, they get it done. Revier, Sam Martin, Ian Gabo, Jeff Hoffman, Alexis Diaz. I'll give you a scroll of saying we're going to talk a little bit more about the Reds in the second segment, but that was strange. You know what else is strange? The Pittsburgh Pirates also wound up winning on Tuesday. You don't find it where the Reds and the Pirates wind up winning on the same day very often, but Pirates get it done by a count of 3-2 as Chris Strain wound up serving pretty much as an opener for Dylan Peters. These two guys wind up going a combined five innings, giving up two runs along the way from their Tyler Beattie, two scoreless innings. Will Crow, David Benar, they give you a scoreless eighth and ninth inning, and Jake Marisnik wound up having a big shot in this one. Second home run season, that comes off of Dan the Man Cassano, who gave up three runs over the course of five innings, including that home run. Eliezer Hernandez has resurfaced for the Miami Marlins as a long reliever. Three scoreless innings out of him, and Richard Blyer, scoreless inning, but nothing doing for a Miami Marlins team that been pretty awful on offense recently as they have scored two runs or fewer now each out of their last three games and I believe that they have now scored three runs or fewer in six out of their last nine so certainly not necessarily going well for those bats you wound up seeing a double dip between the Guardians and the Chicago White Sox and it wound up being a split in this one with both games going under game number one Went the way of the Guardians by a count of 4-1 to one as Davis Martin wound up getting the start. Gave up four runs over the course of six innings. No home runs as the Guardians are averaging right around a half a home run per game at home. It's absolutely insane, but they were able to get some small ball off of Martin Jose Ruiz. Joe Kelly from there. Both give you a scroll of sending as just nothing to him for the White Sox. Shane Bieber had a fever for getting guys out. Gives up one run over the course of nine innings. We were all believers in this one that would have taken the Guardians in some form or fashion. So Cleveland able to get it done in game one. And then in game two, the White Sox reverse the script. 7-0. to The Guardians wind up getting shut out as the Guardians. They actually got more hits in game two, but... They wound up going 1 of 9 with men in scoring position and stranded 12 on base. Connor Pilkington got the start, gave up 4 runs, 3 of which were earned over the course of 5 innings, including a home run to Josh Harrison, third home run of the season. From there, you would have Mr. Jose Abreu and Luis Robert both get home runs. Their 11th home runs of the season for Abreu, he winds up going deep off of Pilkington and Robert, he winds up going deep off of Brian Shaw as Mr. Shaw winds up giving up 3 runs over the course of an inning. Nick Sandlin was able to give you a scoreless saying. James Karinchek, 2 scoreless sayings. That's a good sign, but better sign for the White Sox. 
Dylan Cease continues to be an assy. Nine punch-outs, though. He once again goes over his strikeouts prop. Five and two-thirds inning scoreless for him. Rinaldo Lopez, one and a third inning scoreless before Matt Foster and Kendall Graveman put out the fire. Eighth and ninth inning scoreless for them. The Milwaukee Brewers wind up going on the road, and they take down the Minnesota Twins by a count of six to three. For Milwaukee, it was Jason Alexander, no, not the comedian. That wound up going four innings, giving up two runs in a game which... I think there were multiple rain delays in this one. There was at least one as Ore Palanco winds up getting his 13th home run season off of Alexander. And then from there, bullpen was really able to take hold. Devin Williams, Josh Ader, Hobie Muller, John Del Gustave. I'll give you a scoreless inning with Brad Boxberger giving up a run in an inning along the way. And for the Brewers, situational inning was terrific for the team. 3 of 5 with men in scoring position. Boy Adamas was able to go deep off of Josh Winder for his 18th home run season. And Winder was on a winding road as he also gave up a home run to Andrew McCutcheon, his ninth of the season as Winder gives up five runs over the course of five innings, gluing both of those bombs. From there, Trevor McGill, one and two-thirds innings, giving up an unearned run due to his own throwing error. We've got to find a way to be able to text these guys that wind up having runs scored on their own errors, but that said, it is what it is. Emilio Pagan, a scoreless inning, and Giovanni Morin, one and a third inning scoreless, but that was an L for the Minnesota Twins. This was a W, though, for the Atlanta Braves. 4-1. to They wind up taking down the New York Metropolitans. As for the Mets, you wind up having five and a third innings from the namesake of this podcast in Mr. David Peterson. Not a bad start here. Giving up two runs. He did wind up a long home run as taking him deep. Matt Olson, his 14th home run season. Then Adam Duvall a little bit later. But he get his 11th home run season. That comes off of Seth Lugo. who gives up two runs while he got just four outs. Colin Holderman was able to give you four outs out of the bullpen. But... Nothing doing for this Mets offense as four and two-thirds innings for Spencer Strider. Did not wind up lasting long in this one. Pitch count wound up getting elevated, but he did punch out eight while giving up one run. From there, call Q2 scoreless innings. A.J. Mitchell scoreless inning, and Tyler Magic one and a third inning scoreless. The Baltimore Orioles did a good job of holding down the Chicago Cubs four to two. They are able to get it done as the Cubs. They got two runs in the first two innings and nothing from there. Jordan Lyles, a very solid start, giving up those two runs over the course of his seven innings. He did wind up allowing a home run to Ian App. Ninth home run season from there. Cienel Perez and Ore Lopez for a Orioles bullpen that's currently in the top six of big leagues in terms of bullpen area. They both get a scoreless inning and then had a pair of guys get their seventh home run season as Ramon Odias and Ore Mateo wind up going deep in this one for Mateo. He winds up getting his home run off of Brandon Hughes who gives up a solo home run over the course of two-thirds of an inning. The other one came off of Adrian Sampson who gives up three runs in five and a third innings. Scott Efres, Michael Givens, Matt Schwarmer from there. I'll give you a scoreless inning but not a lot doing for the Cubs on offense. Not a lot doing if you were the Texas Rangers in terms of bullpen pitching late in this one as well as the Oakland A's put up eight runs in the 12th inning. 14-7, the Oakland A's double up the Walker Texas Rangers as James Caprillion winds up getting the start and he was not even close to factoring into this decision. He gives up three runs, including a homer, and going deep off of him. Marcus Simeon, 12th home run season from there. You would have Corey Seager in the ninth inning go deep off of Lou Trevino to extend this game. 21st home run season. Trevino has been a hot mess, by the way, as he winds up blowing that home run. Two runs in total over the course of his inning. Sam Mall, A.J. Puck combined for three scoreless innings from there. Zach Jackson allows an unearned run in one and a third innings in extras. Kirby Seed is able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen in eight. Austin Pruitt gives you a inning in which he wanted giving up an under run himself, but the one deep fly for the Oakland A's in this one, Chad Pinder in the 12th inning. He winds up getting his seventh home run of the season, and it was a grand fashion, a grand slam as Kobe Allard, another really bad appearance for him. He gives up that grand slam in two-thirds of an inning. He is now allowed in this series against the Oakland A's. 
seven runs and he has gotten three outs. So that's not great right there. And then what else was not great was the fact that Dennis Santano entered into this week. So going into Sunday, he wound up having right around about a buck fifty to a buck sixty ERA. That is now a three fifty-seven. One and a third innings. He gives up six runs, five of which were earned. Glenn Otto left a little bit of something to be desired as well. Four runs given up over the course of four and a third innings. Matt Moore, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Matt Bush, Brock Burke, Brett Martin all wind up giving you an inning. Martin allows an unearned run in extra innings, and then Joe Barlow gives up a run in an inning as well, but very much a calamity of a game out there in the great state of Texas. The Detroit Tigers got a little bit of offense going. They take down the Kansas City Royals by kind of 7-5. to five. Bo Brisky gives up three runs over the course of six innings. Andrew Chafin was able to give you a scoreless inning as well, and you had Michael Fulmer come out of the bullpen, pair of outs out of the bullpen. Gregory Soto, a scoreless inning before Joey Menes gives up two runs while getting one out of the bullpen, but for the Detroit Tigers, 3 of 12 men in scoring position was just enough as for the Kansas City Royals, Chris with the K. Bubich gives up three runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Amir Garrett gives you a nod out of the bullpen, but Jose Cuas, he was done in by some bad fielding. Bobby Witt Jr., pair of errors, MJ Melendez in error behind him as well as he gives up four runs, only one of which was earned in two-thirds of an inning. Joel Piamps from there winds up going two and a third innings, not allowing any runs, but Kansas City Royals now 34-53 and 53 as both of those teams miring in mediocrity out there in the AL Central. You want to know it's even more mediocre than that? A man they used to pitch out there in the AL Central, Dallas Keuchel, who allows eight runs, seven of which were earned while getting seven outs for the Arizona Diamondbacks. It's amazing that two guys, that two separate organizations have thought that this guy is a worthy starter to be able to take an MLB mound. 13-0, the San Francisco Giants get it done for Keuchel. He winds up giving up three home runs in this one. Going deep for the San Francisco Giants, Herman Mercedes, his first home run season. You would have Thario Estrada get his eighth and ninth home runs of the season. The other home run would come off of Caleb Smith, Joey Part, who had been hitting right around a buck 40 going into this game. He gets his fifth home run season as he did wind up having Caleb Smith give up two runs in his inning of work. Edwin Yusada, two and Two-thirds inning scoreless. Luke Weaver a scoreless inning before Carson Kelly. Position player has to round this one up, giving up three runs over the course of an inning and for the Arizona the Diamondbacks. They go 0-12 with men in scoring positions, straining 10 men on base. As for San Francisco, Logan Webb winds up going six scoreless innings. The Giants now 20-2 in the last 22 games of which he has pitched at home. Meanwhile, Junior Marte of the Marte Parte, two scoreless innings. And position player Luis Gonzalez was able to provide a scoreless inning as well. You did wind up seeing the San Diego Padres go on the road and wind up losing to the Colorado Rockies by kind of 5-3 to three as for Slam Diego. Mike Levenger did wind up getting slammed, giving up four runs over the course of five and a third innings, including a home run to Charlie Blackman, 14th home run of the season. He did wind up having Nick Martinez come out of the bullpen. He lent a scoreless inning, and Reese Kinnar was able to give you five outs out of the bullpen, but not a lot doing for this Padres lineup as Austin Gomber looked terrific, giving up one run over the course of six innings. Still rocking north of a six ERA, but step in the right direction there. Lucas Gobreth gives you an out of the bullpen. Alex Colme, two runs, one of which was earned in two-thirds of an inning. Robert Stevenson and Daniel Bard also wind up giving you a scoreless inning. They were not keeping a lot of scoreless innings out there in St. Louis. 7-6, to six, the Cardinals wind up getting it done against the L.A. Dodgers. As this was a pretty rough start for Mitch White, giving up six runs over the course of five innings, including a pair of bombs going deep for the St. Louis Cardinals off of him, Albert Pujols. Sixth home run in season, and Nolan Gorman is eighth home run in season. From there, the bullpen didn't wind up doing too bad. David Price does wind up allowing a run in an inning, but Yancey Almonte, Phil Bickford, both give you a scoreless inning in for the Dodgers. 
Trey Turner down for what? And Freddie Freeman both wind up getting their 12th home runs of the season. For Turner, that came off of Matthew Libertor, who was the bulk guy in this game as Jordan Nix was used as an opener and then Giovanni Gallegos gives up the home run to Freddie Freeman as Gallegos gives up that solo home run in his inning of work, taking a two-run lead going into the ninth inning, making it one. And for X, the opener that I mentioned a little bit earlier, one and two-thirds innings scoreless. Johan Oviedo gives up a run while going one and a third innings. And then Matthew Libertor, he gives up three runs, including one of those homers in two and a third innings. Junior Fernandez, pair of outside of the bullpen, giving up an unearned run before Packy Naughton and Ryan Helsley. Both wind up giving you a scoreless setting for the St. Louis Cardinals. They had scored three runs or fewer in seven out of their first nine games of the month. They have now been able to pick up their offense a little bit. Speaking of being able to pick it up, the Toronto Blue Jays, they wind up being able to get it done against the Philadelphia Phillies. This by a count of 4-3 to three. as for the Phillies. Pretty much a bullpen game for them. Mark Capel wound up being the boat guy. Former number one overall pick. Gives up one run in three innings. First run allowed at the big league level for him. Andrew Bellotti wound up serving as the opener and you know, put up a can of worms. Giving up two runs over the course of an inning. Jersich Familia winds up giving up a run in one and a third innings before Corey Canabo gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Jose Alvarado was able to give you a scoreless inning coupled with Michael Kelly in for the Philadelphia Phillies. Not doing an offense. You did wind up having the fifth home run of the season out of Bryson Stott as team winds going to a four with Ben in scoring position and Jose Barrios always has been better at home than on the road. Three runs given up over the course of six innings, including that home run, but did wind up striking out 13. From there, a Blue Jays bullpen that's not been too terrific. They were solid. Jordan Romano, Yimi Garcia, along with Tim Mesa, all wind up giving you a scoreless setting. The DK Nation pick of the Tampa Bay Rays winds up coming home. Three to two, Tampa. Able to get the job done because the Boston Red Sox had little league fielding in the sixth inning. You know, I end up seeing, I believe, multiple errors on the same play that allowed the Tampa Bay Rays to be able to really open this thing up as Matt Stram wound up fielding a ball. He probably shouldn't have tried to throw it to first. Winds up overthrowing first. Whoever wound up getting the ball from there tried to throw it home. They wind up overthrowing home. And, well, you're able to bust out the, like, wacky blooper music from here as Chris Sale sees a debut for the Red Sox. And he looks solid. Five strikeouts in five scoreless innings for him. Ryan Brazier from there lights the game on fire, giving up two runs, one of which was earned in two-thirds of an inning. Matt Stram commits that error. One unearned run credited to him. He should be pretty much just tagged with a whole bunch of runs for just being a complete moron with regards to his fielding, but that's a discussion for another day. You did wind up getting it out of the bullpen out of Caleb Ort and John Schreiber and Eric Hazes-Sadamora both give you a scoreless inning, but for the Tampa Bay Rays, Corey Kluber was relatively solid. Two runs were entered over the course of six innings. Jalen Beeks two scoreless innings, and Brooks Raley was able to give you a scoreless inning as the Red Sox did wind up having Rafael Devers back in the fold for this one. And then the Astros wrap things up by being able to take down the LA Angels by a count of 6-5 to five as Answers very nearly lit this game on fire. They wound up giving up four runs in the seventh inning on one hit as there wound up being a pair of errors along the way and things just wound up turning into a calamity as wound up getting a good start out of Luis Garcia. Gives up one hit and one run over the course of his six innings and then Phil Mayton gives up four unearned runs in a third of an inning as Alex Bregman wound up having an error and then he had an error of his own. Once again, how do we wind up tagging these runs to these pitchers that wind up giving errors? That's a good question. Rafael Montero winds up giving you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Hector Neris was able to give you a scoreless inning as well as the Astros 
Lots of missed opportunities in this one as well. You have LMNDC has get home run off of Noah Thor Syndergaard, his sixth home run season, but team goes four of 17 with men in scoring position as Syndergaard gives up three runs over the course of four innings. From there, Art Warren, Jose Quijada, along with Jose Marte of the Marte Parte, I'll give you a scoreless inning, and Andrew Wants gives up two runs in his inning, one of which was earned, and Rossi Iglesias wound up giving up a run in that inning, but actually was very lucky it wasn't worse because he wound up having the bases loaded with no outs after giving up that run and was able to limit the damage before for the Astros. Ryan Presley is able to come in. He closes things out in the ninth inning, and if you take a look at Major League Baseball right now, Lots of underdogs have been cashing recently as over the last 30 days, it's right around 43 or so percent. We'll get into that in a second, but let's first of all take a look at the last seven days as favorites in the science fan, 52 and 42, hitting a little bit over 55% of the time, and unders have been doing very well over the last week. 54 unders to 40 overs, so right around a 58 or so percent clip to the under, and if you're taking a look at the last 30 days in Major League Baseball. Underdogs maybe they able to hit right around 42.5% of the time, 226 and 167 is the record for favorites, but home favorites not covering the run line right now. Home favorites are 148 and 106 straight up, but there have been now 52 instances in which the home favorite has not been able to cover the run line, winning by approximately one run, so that has been a big giant calamity, and in the time span of the last 30 days, unders hanging at a 54% clip. It's not quite what we wound up seeing in the first few weeks of the season, but it certainly has been an under binge, 202 unders to 172 overs. And if you take a look at the entirety of the Major League Baseball season, 638 unders to 587 overs, that is 52.1% to the under. And underdogs overall this year hitting 40.8%. 525 and 762. So overall, still a little bit of a rough year for underdogs, but the tides have been a turning, and for those home favorites, they have not been doing a good job of being able to cover the run line as we now have 156 different times, which the home favorite has won by approximately one run. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Tuesday, and that's what we're seeing overall coming up next. Let's talk a little bit about the Cincinnati Reds who wound up pulling off a big victory as an underdog against the New York Yankees. Take a look at the NL Central a little bit as well. We're going to be doing that with Annie Sabo, who does a great job over there at Valley Sports with the Cincinnati Reds pre- and post-game coverage. And that is going to be coming up next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Jake Peterson, now a part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts, and great to be joined by our guest as Annie Sabo is doing an absolutely terrific job with Reds pre- and post-game hosting, she is over there at Bally Sports. You're able to catch her pretty much if you're out there in the great state of Ohio, somewhere in the Midwest area, because I know that being someone from the state of Wisconsin, we would occasionally wind up getting like the Fox Sports Northwest. We would wind up getting like sometimes Cincinnati, sometimes Minnesota. So you know how those things wind up going. But Annie does an absolutely terrific job being able to cover the Reds on a day-in and day-out basis. And to be able to follow Annie on Twitter, easy enough. Annie Sable, and then an underscore after that. Last name is spelled S-A-B-O. And Annie, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Of course. Happy to be joining you. Love the state of Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, Midwest is the best. Absolutely. And 
Midwest baseball is always prevalent this time of year. Obviously, it's been a little bit of a tough one for the Cincinnati Reds, but I'm sure that you remember as well as I do, it was a really bad start, a 3-19 and start. And ever since then, the Reds have been able to stabilize a little bit more. And I think that the beginning of the season wound up overshadowing what wound up happening with the Reds because you know as well as I do, there were just a bunch of injuries at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. for the Cincinnati Reds. And taking a look at things, I think that you'd probably agree the pitching, it's probably going to need some revamping in future years. But certainly, I think that there's been a lot of bright spots when it comes to the offense, specifically guys like Brandon Drury being able to step up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think he was probably one of the biggest all-star snubs of the week. I mean, he has, you know, 18 doubles, two triples, 18 home runs. I mean, he leads the team and in batting average, home runs and everything. And talk about a guy who, you know, was a non-roster invite out of spring training, was sitting on his couch, not necessarily knowing what he was going to be doing this season. And now he's a top performer for Cincinnati. But um, yeah, Drury has been awesome offensively for the Reds. But injuries really has been the story so far of the season. When it comes to starting pitching, uh, Luis Castillo was missed for the first couple months of the season. And now Cincinnati's bullpen, which really has struggled all season long, is dealing with a lot of injuries themselves. In terms of injuries, I mean, yeah, the three and twenty-two start not ideal. Injuries had a lot to do with that. Cincinnati's getting healthier, heading into Game One with the Yankees. I think this is their first full-strength lineup since opening day, which says a lot about how the season is going at thirty-two and fifty-four. You know, I mean, the Reds coming into this series with the Yankees. Coming off some momentum, they've won four straight in five of their last eight games. A sweep of the Tampa Bay Rays was huge, and I know this is kind of a a David and Goliath matchup with the Yankees, but don't count out the Reds. They're scrappy. Yep, they certainly have been. As It's been interesting to take a look at the Reds as well in terms of the pitching because Graham Ashcraft has really been able to step up for the team. He's not getting the start on Tuesday, and I think that he could be one of those diamonds in the rough for this team as well as We've seen a few guys be able to come in. They've been able to do a nice job of being able to hold down the fort for the team. I really think that if Connor Overton would have been able to stay healthy, that would have been massive as well because – With the Reds, I feel like a lot of the problem spots for this pitching has been a lot of the guys that they wind up signing in free agency. Guys like Hunter Strickland, Mike Miner is going to be going on Wednesday. It's been a little bit of a rough go of it for them, but a lot of the younger guys have been able to step up and do a solid job. Oh, yeah. I mean, mean, in terms of the starting rotation, I mean, you look at Ashcraft, you look at Hunter Green, who has just been unreal. Maybe his numbers don't necessarily speak to how well he has performed under pressure, but in terms of this starting rotation, Ashcraft, Lodolo, a lefty, which you know, is something that is always valuable when it comes to a starting rotation, have done an excellent job in wake of all the injuries. And Tyler Malley, a veteran on this team, has kind of had an up and down year. His last month or so has been excellent. But the rookies, the Graham Ashcrafts, the Hunter Greens, the Nick Lodolos, who, I mean, Lodolo has been injured for a majority of the season as well. But primarily, Graham Ashcraft, a righty, as well as Hunter Green, have really stepped up and I think have excelled in starting roles. Maybe they didn't necessarily foresee themselves starting all that much this year, but they've done a great job at that. And I think, you know, Graham Ashcraft, his cutting fastball has really been a strength of his, does a great job at inducing ground ball contact, not necessarily going to strike you out 
all that much, but he's someone that's really impressed me. A big right-hander who can really fling the ball over home plate. He's really impressed me. Yeah, he's been able to do a really solid job for the team and something else that has been solid. Just playing at home in general for the Reds is joining me on the podcast. We do have Annie Sabo. She does a great job over there for the Reds TV pre- and post-game shows. And for the Reds, what I've noticed with them, just take a look at them on a day-in and day-out basis, is that the offense has been so good at home. As you know, Great American mm-hmm. Ballpark certainly one of the more hitter-friendly ballparks out there in baseball. It makes it very difficult for opposing pitchers to wind up coming in. But what have you really noticed for the team home draw? Because it almost does feel like from time to time, it is almost like two completely different teams yeah. home to road this season. I think that that has been a little bit glaring this year in terms of the way that the Reds have been playing. Yeah, that's been a huge difference. I think, you know, I mean, their consistency hasn't been there no matter if the team is at home or on the road. I mean, obviously they played tremendously against the Rays this past series. Their offense was there in every single game, a huge factor in terms of why they swept the Rays. But, you know, I mean, I like their chances on the road, especially against the Yankees as well. I mean, they're 7-5. and five against AL teams so far this year a lot better than their NL record you just never know what you're gonna get but I think you know as this offense plays day in and day out Graham Ashcraft is a pitcher that the Reds have won a lot of games whenever he starts so I think that will give them a whole lot of confidence I mean in game three against the Yankees you have Luis Castillo who's making his second all-star appearance next week. I think that gives the offense a little bit of confidence. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, streaky is a word that I would use to describe this this Reds offense. But, you know, when they're hot, they're hot. That's why I don't think you can count them out against a very stacked New York Yankees lineup. I mean, there is a reason why they're the best in baseball right now. But, hey, if this Reds offense is clicking and, and carries some of the momentum they started against that Rays series or against the Rays team and to this series with the Yankees in the Bronx, I think you have a series. Yep, and no question. It's going to be a little bit tough going up against Luis Severino on Wednesday, and as we're mm-hmm. doing this, the Tuesday game is going on. We will not know how that's going, although I will say Garrett Cole, though he's been very solid, he's been a little bit overpriced, in my opinion, this season. So we shall see how that winds going as Andy Sabo is joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show and for what we've seen out there in the NL Central as well. No question, it's going to be a little bit tough for a team other than the Brewers or the mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals to wind up winning this division, I feel like. There's a clear divide between the top two and then the other three teams in the Reds, the Pirates, and the Chicago Cubs. But I do think that it is going to be interesting to see that race for third out there because with the Cubs, it's been a little bit up and down for them all season Mm -hmm. long. The Pirates, I feel like, have been a little bit better than advertised this year. I actually give Mm -hmm. them a lot of credit with guys like JT Burbaker being able to step up. They now call up Anya Cruz. I'm curious to see how that winds working out. But I do think that it's going to be interesting to see a lot of these interdivision matchups coming down the stretch. And I do think that a few of these teams could wind up playing spoiler against a Brewers team that I'm a native of the state of Wisconsin. I'm not sold on them and a Cardinals (laughs) team that has been really struggling here in the month of July. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, yeah, you really do have Milwaukee and St. Louis kind of going toe-to-toe at the top of the Central. But yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Cincinnati. Cincinnati, I know they've had a really tough start, but they're really making up some ground to sweep against the Rays this past week. Definitely helps. I mean, Cincinnati, historically, I mean, this season has done really well against Pittsburgh after the Yankees series. They have six against St. Louis, so we'll have to see how that plays out. But I mean, yeah, you have two clear front runners, and you have, you know, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Cincinnati all all kind of fighting for third 
essentially. So it's going to be interesting. I think if Cincinnati stays healthy, I mean, that's been the key seriously all season long from a pitching standpoint and from a, from an offensive standpoint, that'll go a long, long way. As of right now, <laughs> they are pretty healthy, knock on wood. So we'll have to see if that remains the case. But yeah, not necessarily sold on the Brewers right now. I think if I had to pick my winner of the Central, I'd probably pick St. Louis just based on their history. And they always seem to come up clutch when it matters, you know, deep into uh, the season. So I'd have to pick the Cardinals as my front runner for the Central right now. We'll have to see how that plays out. But yeah, it's been a competitive division. Um, maybe not as competitive as, you know, some others, namely uh, the AL East right now. But hopefully the Reds can stay healthy and win some few more games. So we're not sitting at the bottom of the central. Absolutely. And then to your point as well, the NL East has all of a sudden gotten very interesting with the Atlanta Braves and all that they've been able to do as well. So I do think that we're in for some good races as well. And I think the big thing for the Brewers is that I just can't trust in this offense at all right now. They don't have a single guy that's playing on a day in a day out basis, hitting above 265. Now, you do have a couple question marks when it comes to that St. Louis Cardinals rotation. What are they going to be able to do at the back half of it with guys like Andre Pallante and company being able to get some starts? But I just take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals and their overall depth, especially when it comes to the position players. And I think that that's going to be the difference maker for them. And I just think that there's still something about that pedigree because I've been on this earth for 29 years. And if you told me that the St. Louis Cardinals in all 29 years won no fewer than 80 games, but no more than 92, I would completely believe you because it feels like every single year they're winning about 88, 89 games, doing nothing flashy, but being a thorn in the side of everyone in the National League. To touch on your point, I think for as long as I can remember, the Cardinals have always been a really solid team. They don't necessarily do something all that well, especially this season. They're not a New York Yankees team where... They seem to do everything well from, you know, a starting rotation to an offensive standpoint, but they're a competitive group. I mean, they're gritty. They're tough. They've been winners for a very long time. We'll have to see how the rest of the NL Central race plays out. But I mean, yeah, the Cardinals, I mean, whatever they're doing, whatever is in the water in St. Louis, I mean, maybe they need to bring it over to Cincinnati because whatever they're doing over there seems to be working and has been for a really long time. They could bring some over to Las Vegas, Nevada as well, because it's going to be 110 all week as well. So, I mean, I don't care. <laughs> what's in the water they could just bring the water itself and i think that we would be very hydration happy. is always key no matter what your ailment is that's what i've learned from my father hydration always key absolutely and annie i know that you do a great job of being able to take a look at the game of baseball day in and day out you do a great job over there taking a look at the cincinnati reds doing their pre and post game hosting and i know you're just great at being able to follow the game of baseball in general and for those that are college sports fans, I know that you've done some work over there at the Big Ten Network as well. So let the good people at home know, know how they're able to follow you on social media and just everything that's all on tap for you. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, doing some baseball right now. We'll see about Big Ten Network in the fall. But yeah, on Twitter, I am at Annie Sabo with an underscore at the end. And then I think on Instagram, it's at Annie underscore Sabo. I think I always get them confused a little bit, but if you look at my name, Annie Sabo, S-A-B-O, you'll be able to find me and I appreciate you having me and I'll be uh, sure to tune in to all of your bets because, hey, I need all the help I can get when it comes to that. You are here to provide great insights as to what we're seeing in the NL Central. It did so today. I've got you covered there. So it's a good collective there. And I still remember with regards to your Twitter as well, because you were talking about all the handles. Have no fear. The 
whatever NFT like hacker or something like that was in your account a few months ago, that has all been cleared up, which I still remember that a few months ago. It's like, thank the Lord. I don't know what might have happening there, but it certainly has become a little bit more of an issue. But fortunately, that got all cleared up. And Annie, she always does a great job (laughs) taking a look at the game of baseball, has a great background in it and did a great job providing some insights on the Reds and the NL Central today. So big thanks, Annie, for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. 
Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they ain't it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to get Annie Sabo on the show today. She does a great job doing Reds pre- and post-game work over there at Bali Sports out there in the great city of Cincinnati. She does a lot of work, and I believe that her dad was Chris Sabo. So she is someone that is very well-rounded in terms of being able to take a look at the game of baseball, great background in it, and delivered some great information on the show today. So big thanks, sir, for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GUNIT underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas Station R. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That keeps things all nice, neat, clean, and easy there. For the VEASAN Pentathlon, I have to pick a run line at some point, so I'll be doing that along with pointing out when I do wind up getting to the DK Nation pick as well. So let's start with that first National game of 901-902 on the betting board. It is the New York Metropolitans. They throw it. They're going to be facing up against the Atlanta Braves. Charlie Morton is going to be going for the Bravos. And Chris Bassett as the hook, line, and sinker for New York. New York is finding themselves as anywhere between a minus 143 to a minus 150 favorite. Meanwhile, with the Bravos, anywhere between plus 130 and plus 135. 8.5 is your total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. Did wind up making my total an 8.3. Going to be looking at the under as Charlie Morton has just been mowing them down recently. Two runs or fewer surrendered in each out of his last five starts. This after in his last 11 starts prior to this recent run, he had given up three plus runs in eight of them. So he has really been able to turn things around recently. And it's backed up by one of the best lineups that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. For the Atlanta Braves, you've had Austin Riley really being able to emerge for this team. He's been able to give you the home runs all season, 24 in total, but it's been hitting right around 325 over the last 30 days. He is hitting overall for the season right around at 280. Ronald Cunha Jr. has done a solid job of being able to get on base. They're rolling the dice right now on Robinson Cano. They've got Michael Harris, the second, doing a good job out there in the outfield. He and Dansby Swanson in between about a 290 to a 305. And Matt Olson has done a solid job getting on base. Marcel Zuna not necessarily there with the average, but has been able to give the team 17 home runs. But for Mr. Morney, is going to have to go up against a Mets lineup that has one of the best at being able to get on base. Mark Hanna, Brandon Nimmo, along with Pete Alonso. All in between about a 265 to a 275. Alonzo led the big leagues in home runs on the road last season, and he's got 23 in total. Francisco Lindor putting together a nice year, 60 RBI entering into Tuesday. Now, bottom of the fold, guys like Travis Jankowski, Eduardo Escobar, Tom Smith, they do need to pick it up a little bit. Police Glorme 
along with Jeff McNeil. Both have been able to above a 300 for the Mets. Big issue with this team has been the bullpen this season. Joey Rodriguez is posting up north of a 4-5 ERA. Drew Smith has been teeter-tottering a little bit in terms of his ERA. Colin Holderman has actually been solid. One you could get to Edwin Diaz, and it's relatively solid. And for Tommy Hunter, he's been okay in the innings that he's thrown, but I don't have a lot of faith in him. And when it comes to Chris Bassett, it's been a little bit of a struggle for him on the road thus far this season. 6-6 six six record, 394 ERA, including a 517 ERA on the road. Big reason why the deep ball. He's given up nearly two home runs per nine innings. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of positive progression because he has been able to do a good job of being able to get swings and misses. His strikeouts per nine rate, a little bit over nine. He hasn't walked a bunch of guys right around 2.4 walks per nine innings, but just has allowed that deep ball a little bit. I do think that both of these pitchers are going to be able to come out with a relatively solid effort with the Braves. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 148 on them. If you're taking a look at the run line, you're finding it at right around a plus 135. I would need more like a plus 145 personally. I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a tighter game, so I'd rather take it chalky, more like minus 142, minus 145 money line on the Braves in this spot to have that extra protection. So, looking at the Braves money line, and I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. 9-3, 9-4 on the betting board. The Arizona Diamondbacks at the red face against the San Francisco Giants. And it's going to be Zach Gallen who's going to be going for the Snakes. It is good old to be determined who is on the bump for the uh, San Francisco Giants. So this is a game that is surprisingly off the board. Typically, when it comes to the Giants, this is a situation where they wind up having a bullpen game. Probably going to be someone like Sammy Long or John Brebbia who winds up getting in the open. Both of these guys probably not going to give you a ton of length, though if it is Sammy Long. He typically has been able to go two to three innings, and both of these guys have a sub-three ERA. So regardless of who you wind up getting as an opener here, both of these guys done a relatively solid job of being able to hold down the fort. You really don't have a lot of swing and miss stuff when it comes to Sammy Long. Meanwhile, for John Brebbia, he's been getting right around nine strikeouts for nine innings, but really, this is going to be a bullpen game for a Giants team that they do rank at the bottom half of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. Mauricio Lavera just has not been able to provide a lot for the team north of a 5 ERA. Junior Marte of the Marte Parte is in the same boat. Tyler Rogers has been better recently, but overall for the season, north of a 4 ERA. But for Zach Allen, things are starting to regress in a very, very painful way for him. He's given up at least three runs in each out of his last three starts. And take a look at things down the stretch here. He's given up at least three runs in now four out of his last six starts. And he's given up two plus runs in every one of, I believe, now his last nine. So he has not really had a lot of clean outings after he was looking like a Young candidate first month and a half of the season. That's why you don't award these awards after a month and a half of the season. Walks per nine rate for Gallon starting to creep back up. 2.7 walks per nine innings on the road. He's actually been a little bit better than at home. 334 road ERA compared to a 381 ERA at home. He's been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up one home run per nine innings. Swing and miss stuff relatively solid, but he doesn't necessarily have a ton behind him in terms of the bullpen. Kyle Nelson, Jordan Bennett, Tipley, along Sean Poppin have sub-3-5 ERAs, but guys like Mark Melanson, Caleb Smith, and company have not been able to do the job for the years in the Diamondbacks. They've actually been able to do a really good job of being able to generate power on the road, nearly a home run and a half per game away from them. Meanwhile, it's more like .9 home runs per game when they are in home, and got a couple guys starting to get on base for this team as David Peralta, Dalton Varshow, they're in between about a 235 to a 245. Alec Thomas, in more like a 250. And then Christian Walker, slugging out 21 bombs, has been terrific for the Giants. Not a lot of power with this team. Jock Peterson and Wilmer Flores, the only two guys with a double digit amount of homers. For Peterson, he and Thari started both in between about a 255 to a 265. And Wilmer Flores, right around 255 as well. Austin Slater's been able to get on base, but you've got a lot of guys like. 
You're a Mercedes, along with David Vr. You're able to throw in there Darren Ruff, Brandon Belt. These guys hitting a 230 or lower. Awesome wins is in the fold as well. Joey Barton is starting to get some at bats as well. So not necessarily the world's greatest spot, though. I will say for the Giants in the last few years, they've actually been relatively solid in these bullpen games. And boy, we have seen Zach Gallon start to regress a little bit as well. So this is a spot in which. Against a bullpen game, I did wind up saying the Arizona Diamondbacks plus 144 underdogs. I did wind up making this a spot as well, in which in eight or less, I'd be taking a look at an over. In a half or higher, I would be taking a look at this total under as well. As we go to 905-906 on the betting board, it is the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they walk the plank. They are going to be facing off against the Miami Marlins. Pablo Lopez is going to be on the bump for the fish, and JT Brubaker is on the bump. For Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is finding themselves as an underdog. Shock, shock, surprise, surprise. In between plus 155 and plus 165. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the fish, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 176 and minus 185, with your total being 7. Over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. Right now, you're finding the run line of the Miami Marlins at a plus 115 as well. I need at least a plus 117 to be able to take a shot here. I do think that when it's all said and done, I should be able to be finding myself on the run line of the Miami Marlins, even at a plus 118. I'd be willing to take a shot there as well. I'm doing this with right now limited options, so I do think that when it's all said and done, it should be a play on the Miami Marlins run line, but that said, with regards to the Pittsburgh Pirates, I would need more like a plus 175 to be able to take a shot on them, because with JT Brubaker, to his credit, he actually has been able to do a much better job on the road this year than last year. Last year, he was a wreck on the road. He wound up posting up north of a 6 ERA, and this season, it's been a little bit more equal in terms of the home and road splits. 432 road ERA, 438 home ERA with... Nine home runs allowed overall in 87 innings, so that's workable, but he also does wind up giving up 3.9 walks per nine innings, and it's backed up by Pirates bullpen that ranks in the bottom five of the big leagues in terms of ERA over the last three days. Manny Benuelos doesn't necessarily lend a lot of confidence. Now, they do have Dylan Peters back in the fold. That should be able to help him out. Dwayne Underwood Jr., an okay long guy. He was able to give you right around a 3-6 ERA, multiple innings out of he, William Crow, Tyler Beattie, so you've got guys that are able to mix and match, but when it comes to Pittsburgh Pirates, ironically enough, I had three guys, so Jack Swiziniski, Michael Perez, and Brian Reynolds all be able to give you a three-home run game over the last month, as these all wound up dating back to Father's Day or earlier, but you also take a look at the lineup that they trotted out there yesterday, because Brian Reynolds currently dealing with an injury. You wound up having pretty much three different guys that wound up having a batting average above a 236. So, that's a terrific Onyo Cruz, Jake Mariznick, Swiznitsky, and Perez, who I mentioned earlier, Diego Cassio. These guys need to pick it up a little bit more as they don't really walk a lot as well. And for the Miami Marlins, they've been dealing with their issues as well as they've been dealing with an injury to Jazz Chisholm along with Ode Soler, but you had Asus Aguiar in a 250 double-digit amount of formers out of him. Joey Wendell, John Birdie, along with Nick Fortes. They're hitting right around a 275 as well. Garrett Cooper more in the fold of a 300. And for the Miami Marlins, it has been a little bit tough with their bullpen, but Anthony Bass has been able to do a solid job with a sub-2 ERA in the bullpen. You've actually been able to have a few guys be able to rise up, be able to give you some good innings when it's not the likes of Tommy Nance here able to throw in there. Tanner Scott as well. I just have not been impressed by him with the worth of a 4 ERA. It's like Stephen Okert. He's been able to give you a 2-5 ERA. Zach Pop is not a guy that I have a lot of faith in, but thus far he's been able to post up a 2-25 ERA in limited innings thus far this season. So that has been a relatively good sign for the team. But I think that Pablo Lopez is just going to go out there and dominate. He did wind up taking a comebacker a few starts ago, but that said, over his last 
four starts, he has given up two runs or fewer in three of them. So that is an encouraging sign with Pablo Lopez. He has given up the deep ball a little bit, right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings. But walks per nine rate, hovering right around 2.6. Does a good job of being able to get some swings and misses. And has been very dominant at home. 241 home ERA compared to a 326 ERA on the road with opponents hitting a buck 89 off of him. I do think that Lopez... Going to be able to go out there. Going to be able to dominate. Currently doing this with limited options, but if we get a plus 120 or more on the run line, like I suspect that we are going to, I'm going to be taking a look at this Miami Marlins run line, and I do think that we went a little bit too low with this total. JT Burbaker has been a little bit better on the run and the Pirates. They're dealing with some ailments, but neither of these bullpens elicit a lot of confidence. So, looking at these 7 over, and I'm going to be looking at the Miami Marlins on the run line, and say so my total is 7.49 on the betting board. If the LA Dodgers hit in the red face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Well, you know, Adam Rainwright is going to be on the bump for the Cards, and Tony Gonsolin is on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are finding themselves as hefty favorites here. Anywhere between minus 142 and minus 150. Meanwhile, between plus 130 and plus 135 is your price on St. Louis. The total on this game is 8. The over and the under. Anywhere between minus 105 and a minus 115. I did wind up saying my total and at 7.8, I am going to be taking a look at an under. You do have a St. Louis Cardinals bunch that has reinforcements back in the bullpen thanks to Genesis Cabrera. Now being back to fold someone that's able to give you multiple innings has posted up a sub-2-5 ERA as you've got Ryan Helsley who's been able to give you a sub-1 ERA as well. Now the big thing when it comes to the Cardinals is just having Adam Wainwright be able to not give up a lot of hard contact against an L.A. Dodgers lineup that is a little bit revamped. And thus far this season, Adam Wainwright has been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up a little bit under a home run per nine innings. And after a bad start to the year in which Adam Wainwright had a tough time with his command, he has really been able to cut down on the walks. As a matter of fact, over his last five starts, a combined four walks. Now, he has given up six home runs in that time span. That is a little bit of a worry, which is why he's got a 386 ERA overall in those last five starts. But that said, he's been much better at home as well. 221 home ERA compared to a 410 ERA on the road. And for Tony Gonsolin, I do sense regression is going to be coming in. He is a sterling 11-0. He has a buck 62 ERA. Now, the home and road splits are a little bit big, but, I mean, that's because it's hard to really outdo a 1-1-3 ERA at home. It's a 2-21 on the road, so nearly double, but, I mean, buddy, get into context, you know what? A lot of guys would take a 2-21 road ERA. Opponents overall, though, they're getting a buck 57 off of him, and he's getting right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. His batting average on balls in play, you've got to suspect, is going to be going up just a little bit just based on dumb luck alone. And you do take a look at the St. Louis Cardinals lineup, and they have the lineup to be able to do so. As you've got a pair of guys in Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt, 17 plus home runs apiece. And for Goldschmidt, got north of a 400 on base, 335 batting average. He's been terrific, but behind him, Juan Yepes, couple with Tommy Edmond, Dylan Carlson, and Nolan Gorman, only between about a 245 to a 260. These guys have done a solid job of being able to get on base, and with Edmund, one of the best base healers that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. They've been dealing with a couple of ailments, which is why you've seen Albert Pools, Austin Kisner, wind up getting some at-bats a little bit recently, and then for the LA Dodgers, getting back Mookie Betts has been big as he's got 20 bombs. He's hitting nearly a 275. That's him, though. Will Smith, Justin Turner, both of these guys hitting between about a 250 to a 260, including Turner, hitting right around 300 over the last three days after a rough start to the season. Freddie Freeman, Trey Turner at the top of the fold, 11 home runs apiece, both hitting above a 300 going into Tuesday. Now, Ansel Alberto, Cody Bellinger, Austin Barnes, Max Muncy, these guys do need to pick it up a little bit. And for the Dodgers, you do have a bullpen that 
has some unheralded guys that have had really nice seasons. Evans Phillips, Yancy Almonte, both of these guys, a sub-2 ERA, Caleb Ferguson in limited innings. He's been able to do a solid job, but it's been a case where Craig Kimbrell is north of a 4 ERA. David Price has come back. He hasn't necessarily looked too sharp himself. And then for the St. Louis Cardinals, I like what they've got going behind Adam Wainwright. Anything north of a plus 130 was willing to take a shot on the Cardinals seeing the plus 135 that is calling my name. I do think that both of these starters are going to be able to give you a relatively solid effort. I do like both of these bullpens with a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark as well. So, so my total at 7.8, looking under and looking at the plus price with St. Louis. 909-910 on the betting board. The Slam Diego Padres hit the road face-off against Colorado Rockies. As Chad Cool hopes to be Mr. Cool for the Rockies. And Joe Musgrove is going to be on the bump for the pods. Padres are in between minus 155 and minus 165 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Colorado, it's anywhere between plus 140 and plus 145. 10.5 is your total. The over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. If you're looking at the run line, by the way, find that at a minus 105 on the Padres, and that is calling my name. I'm not going to make this a pentathlon pick. I'm going to be looking at a little bit more of a plus price, just playing strategy there. But that said, I'm looking to lay a run line here with the San Diego Padres, and I did wind up saying my total at a 10.3. I do think that both of these guys are going to be able to come out and give a relatively solid start. Just hard to have a lot of faith in this Colorado Rockies bullpen, despite the fact that they've been posting up right around a 3-5 ERA over the last five or so weeks. They still do have a lot of guys that you don't necessarily have a lot of faith in, like Lucas Gilbreth has a buck 35 home ERA compared to a road ERA that is north of six. I do think that negative regression is certainly going to be doing for him now. With Chad Cool, you've got to have your question marks in terms of him not necessarily being much of a swing and miss guy and the numbers he has provided right around six half strikeouts per nine innings, giving up right around 3.4 walks per nine innings, yet he's got a 4.02 ERA and has been actually really good at home. 327 home ERA. Four home runs give it up in 41 and a third innings. Opponents throwing at 234 off of him, despite the fact that his strikeouts per nine rate at home, it is sub six. And then on the flip side, you've got Joe Musgrove, who's been Joe Cool, 209 ERA. He did wind up having his streak of starts at which he wound up giving up two runs or fewer in six plus innings, snapped a few starts ago, but still, he has been able to do so in all but two of his 15 starts thus far, so he has been very good and very consistent for the team, and as a matter of fact, a little bit better on the road thus far this season. A two ERA in his eight road starts, giving up just five home runs over the course of 54 innings. Opponents overall earning a buck 94 off of him. Nine strikeouts per nine innings. He's backed up by a little bit of better bullpen. Taylor Rogers has been a little bit shaky recently, but Dembello Crisman, he's able to give you multiple innings. He's posted up a sub-2 ERA. Craig Salmon, whatever he's been out there along with Luis Garcia, both of these guys are in the neighborhood about a 3 ERA. Salmon, I've got it suspected, is probably going to be out once again for this one, but you do have a few other guys that are able to come in. They're able to give you some nice innings, including Nick Martinez, who is now being used as a little bit of a long guy. And then for the San Diego Padres, Manny Machado, he has been carrying the mail for the team on offense as he has been able to give you 15 home runs, hitting well above a 300 batting average, and then Noah Mazar, whenever he's been out there, he's been able to give the team north of a 300 batting average. Now, you don't have a lot of power behind Manny Machado's Luke Voigt, only other guy on this roster with really more than eight home runs as he, Hassam, Kim, Austin, Nola, Jose Azucar, all hitting between about a 225 to a 235. Jorge Alfaro has been able to get on base along with Eric Hosmer, but certainly has been in a risk when it comes to this lineup. And for the Colorado Rockies, it's a team that is averaging right around a half home run per game when they are on the road. Meanwhile, at home, more like 1.3 home runs per game. You do have someone like CJ Crone, who's been able to provide 20 home runs as far this season. And just five of those have wound up coming on the road. Brandon Rogers, 
He's got eight home runs thus far this season and all eight have on it coming at home. You're going to be having Chris Bryant on the fold as well for the Colorado Rockies as he's currently on paternity leave. So a congratulations to him. You do have Jose Iglesias along with Jonathan Daza, both hitting right around at 300 for this bunch of as well. But you've got a Colorado Rockies team that they already own some ailments. I don't have any faith whatsoever really in this Colorado Rockies bullpen to continue what they've been able to do this far this season. I was willing to lay up to a minus 120 with regards to the Padres run line. Two points saying my total of 10.3. So looking under and looking at the Padres on the run line. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. It is the Detroit Tigers. They throw it. They're going to be facing off against the Kansas City Royals. Says Brady Singer is hoping to not be singing the blues for the Royals. And yeah, Tariq Skubal is going to be on the bump for Detroit. Detroit has find themselves as a underdog anywhere between plus 105 and plus 110. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Singer and company, it's anywhere between minus 116 and minus 125 with 8 being your total, the over and the under. And between minus 105 and minus 110. And when it comes to Royals, Wound up setting them as a minus 108 favorite, so I needed at least a plus 110 to be able to take a shot on Detroit, and we have been able to get there. Now, for Tariq Skubal, it certainly has been a little bit of a rough run for him thus far this season, and more specifically for Tariq Skubal, not necessarily even the season. It's just really been a rough go of it from ever since the beginning of the month of June, because he wound up entering into the month of June actually looking very, very solid. First two months of the year, he had posted up a sub-3 ERA, but you take a look at what has happened ever since the beginning of the month of June, and this is a man that has now given up three-plus runs and now six out of his last seven starts, so I will say, last start against the Chicago White Sox, six strong, gave up just two runs, so that should be able to get him just back on track in general, and for Tariq Skubal, he's been better on the road than he has been at home. 433 home ERA compared to a 371 road ERA. It doesn't make it necessarily a ton of sense because Detroit is very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, but for Skubal, right around 2.3 walks per nine innings, less than a home run per nine innings. Surrendered, he's been able to get right around 9.2-ish strikeouts per nine innings. I think that a lot of the recent struggles were honestly a little bit of bad luck with the way that he has been throwing. Meanwhile, if you take a look at Brady Singer, he's been a little bit up and down recently, giving up three plus runs, and now three out of his last four starts. And I mean, in those last four starts, two came against the Oakland A's and one came against the poopy Detroit Tigers. So he has not been firing all cylinders recently, and a big reason why it's been the deep ball, giving up nearly a home run and a half per nine innings. Now, the command has been very good for Brady Singer as he's allowing right around 1.8, 1.9 walks per nine innings, but he's actually been worse at home than he has been on the road. 446 home ERA compared to a 386 ERA on the road, and the big thing for the Tigers is that they've got a leg up in terms of the bullpen. This is a Royals team that they are dead last in terms of bullpen ERA in the American League. They're still dealing with a little bit of an injury to Josh Samout, which that winds up setting them behind the eight ball a little bit. Now, Jose Cuas has been able to do a very good job out there in the bullpen. He's posting up an ERA that is hovering right in the neighborhood about three, but I mean, Amir Garrett, he just continues to stink for the team. He's got north of a six ERA. Wyatt Mills has been providing north of a four ERA as well. They've been trying out their guys like Matt Peacock and company trying to find the right blend, and it just has not worked out for them. You've been able to get some good innings out of guys like a Joel Piamps, who's got a three ERA. Scott Barlow has been solid as well, but not great there. And for the Tigers, top five team in terms of bullpen ERA. Michael Fulmer has been able to give you right around a two ERA. Jason Foley has been a little bit up and down, but I mean, even someone like a Drew Carlton as a sub three ERA. Gregory Soto has been a lights out closer. Alex Lang providing a two ERA. The problem for the Tigers has been the offense because right now you've got Robbie Grossman, Jameer Candelario, Jonathan Scope, Javi Baez, Spencer Torkelson, newly off the injured list, Akil Badu, Cody Clements, all these guys hitting at 215 or lower, and Javi Baez 
His nine home runs right now leads the way for this team as the Tigers entered into Tuesday with fewer home runs as a collective than Anthony Rizzo along with Aaron Judge of the Yankees do as a duo. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, it's not like they necessarily have the boom squad on their team. Bobby Wood Jr. right now leading the way. He's got 12 home runs. And what I will say for Bobby Wood is that he's been able to figure it out as he's hitting right around a 285 over his last 30 days. He wound up having a nice streak of an RBI in like seven straight games in the month of May. Some things starting to look a little bit more promising there. Ed Olivares, Andrew Benatendi, both are rating above a 300, but you've had a lot of guys that not been doing a great job for the team. MJ Melendez, Kyle Isabel, Calum Gallagher, they're hitting about a 220 or lower along with Vinny Pasquinto, Emmanuel Rivera, Nicky Lopez, along with Whit Merrifield. They're all hitting right around 240. And by the way, Whit Merrifield, he was on the starting lineup yesterday. That ends a big giant Ironman speech streak for him, so that's a little bit of an issue there. But for the Kansas City Royals, just have a tough time necessarily trusting in this bullpen. I feel like they should be the slightest of slight favorites, but getting a plus 110 with the Detroit Tigers, I'm going to be willing to take a shot there. And for the Tigers, there's a reason why they've been playing so many unders. Good bullpen pitching, terrible offense. They wind up saying Matella at a 7.5, so I'm taking the 8 under, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Detroit Tigers. And 13-9-14 on the bank board, the Boston Red Sox. They throw it face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Shane McClanahan is going to be going for the Rays, and Josh Winkowski is going to be going for Boston. Boston is saying themselves as a underdog of any between plus 140 and plus 145. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Rays, you're going to be finding the Rays anywhere between minus 155 and minus 165 with 7 being your total. The unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The overs anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. And if you're taking a look at the run line of the Tampa Bay Rays, you're going to be finding it pretty much across the board. At a plus 135, I was willing to take anything north of plus 125. I'm going to look to reduce the juice, and I'm going to make this the VEASAN Pantathlon pick for the run line of the Tampa Bay Rays as well. I wound up taking them as my underdog yesterday in the Pantathlon and also as a DK Nation pick, and I'm going to ride them once again. I like what I'm seeing out of the Tampa Bay Rays team, and Shane McClanahan has been absolutely lights out. You've got a chance if... McClanahan winds up doing what he typically does and just holds down the Boston Red Sox that two to three runs might be enough for the Rays to be able to cover this run line because McClanahan has been just amazing with the way that he's been able to get swings and misses. Right around 12 and a half strikeouts per nine runnings. He's given up one home run per nine. He's been able to do a nice job of not giving up a lot of walks as he's right in the neighborhood about 1.6, 1.7 walks per nine nineties. Ironically, has a little bit of a worse home ERA than a road ERA. Buck 88 ERA at home, 145 ERA on the road. What's this guy doing? But, I mean, it's been absolutely amazing to take a look at him. And then for Josh Winkowski, he's been relatively solid for the Boston Red Sox, but you've got to wonder if this is built on sand a little bit. He's getting only about six strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate hovers right in the neighborhood about 3.2, 3.3, nothing great, nothing terrible, but opponents are going to get 290 off of him, and yet he's got a 435 ERA, which includes a 238 ERA on the road. I do think that there's going to be negative regression for him, and it's hard to have a lot of faith in this Boston Red Sox bullpen right now because they did wind up having to DFA Ansel Robles. It's not necessarily too terrific. Ryan Brazier's had a bad year all season long, posting up north of a 4 ERA. Caleb Ort is someone that they're now looking to for innings. I do like John Schreiber. He's got a sub-2 ERA, and Eda Casasadabona has been able to do a good job for the team. Along Jake Diekman, I'll give him a little bit of credit, but it's a save raise bullpen that they know how to be able to maneuver. Jason Adam has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Brooks Raley has been able to do a good job of being able to give the team some innings as well. Colin Pooch has a sub-2 ERA. Even someone like a Jalen Beeks who's able to give you multiple innings, he's been able to provide right around a 250 ERA. Now, with the Tampa Bay race, 
They've been dealing with some ailments thus far this season, as Juan Franco is going to be out of the fold for quite a while, but you do still have Yandy Diaz, who's been able to provide a north of 300 batting average, and Harold Ramirez, more around a 325. That has been terrific. This team did wind up picking up Christian Bethencourt, as well P. Isaac Paredes, along with Randy Odozarena, in between about a 240 to a 255, and for Isaac Paredes, this guy can go yard at any given moment, as he's got 8 home runs over his last 81 at-bats, so he has really been able to heat up with that regard now. Guys like Videla Brujan, Brad Phillips, Yu Chang, Taylor Walls at the bottom of the fold. It has been a little bit rough along with Rene Pinto at the catcher spot, but being able to pick up Benson Court, that should be a low of this race team a little bit. I think that Shane McClanahan going to be able to go out there, going to be able to dominate now with the Boston Red Sox. This is a lineup that I don't think that they're going to be completely held down because even with the injury to Rafael Devers as he was able to return to the fold yesterday, he still have so many guys are able to do a good job for this team. J.D. Martinez, he's dealing with an injury as well, but even without him, Xander Bogarts, Rafael Devers, who I mentioned earlier, both are hanging above a threat. Christian Vasquez has been able to ride around at 290. Jaron Duran, along with Alex Verdugo, in between about a 265 to 275. Rob Revsnyder, when he's gotten at bats, he has been solid. And Trevor Story does have 15 home runs, so the on-base has not necessarily been too terrific. I do think that this is a total that's set a little bit too low because I do think that the Rays are going to be able to dive into this Red Sox bullpen. I set my total at a 7.3, so looking under. And for the VEASAN pentathlon pick, I'm getting a plus 135 here on the Rays run line. I'm going to be willing to take a shot here on that Rays run line as I'm going to bypass the money line, which has gotten relatively chalky. 9-15, 9-16 on the betting board, the Chicago White Sox. And throw it face off against the Cleveland Guardians. Aaron Savali is going to be going for the Guardians, and Lucas Giolito is going to be on the bump for the Southsiders. White Sox are anywhere between minus 111 and minus 120 favorites. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Cleveland, it's anywhere between even money and plus 105. Eight and a half is your total. Over is minus 120, and the under is even when it comes to the Chicago White Sox team. I did wind up making them a minus 122 favor for Aaron Savali. If you take a look at the fielding independent, it's is indicative that it should be pointing in a direction of positive progression for him, but that said, Aaron Savali, even with that fielding independent, it's still north of a 4 or 5, and Savali just has been giving up quite a bit of contact in general. He does get 8.5 strikeouts per 9 innings, walks per 9 rate in the neighborhood about 2.7, but he has been giving up right in the pocket of about 1.4 to 1.5 home runs per 9 innings. Has been a little bit better recently. Three runs of fear given up in four out of his last five starts. He did wind up facing off against the Royals and the Detroit Tigers in that time span as well. And for Aaron Savali, he's got a home ERA that is a little bit better than his road ERA because his road ERA is a 767. More around a 485 home ERA, but it's still not necessarily so terrific giving up four home runs to 26 innings when he has been at home thus far this season. And for Lucas Giolito, he has been all over the place as well. 5.05 ERA, but take a look at his last three starts. It's been a little bit better. He did wind up getting shelled in his last start against the Detroit Tigers, but wound up giving up a combined three earned runs over the course of 12 innings in the team's California road trip against the Giants and the LA Angels, so that was a very positive sign, and for Lucas Giolito, he's actually been a little bit better on the road than he has been at home this season. Hard contact has right now been the bane of the existence of Giolito as well, giving up right around 1.7 home runs per 9, ending 16 home runs in total over the course of 15 starts, with opponents saying a 274 off of him, and he does need to work on the walks, right around 3.4 walks per 9, and he's neither of these bullpens has necessarily been too terrific when it comes to the Chicago White Sox. You've had Matt Foster posting up right around 5 ERA. Joe Kelly's just completely lost. This guy is completely useless. He has an ERA that is currently hovering in the neighborhood about 8, so that's not great, but Rinaldo Lopez, Jimmy Lambert 
have been able to give you right around a three ERA. And then you do have Kendall Graven, Liam Hendricks in the eighth and ninth innings. And for the Cleveland Guardians, Manuel Clase has been lights out. Trevor Steven has been relatively solid as well. But Angel de los Santos, after he wound up having a relatively solid start to the season, he has began to regress nearly a five ERA over the last 30 days out of him. Eli Morgan, Sam Antiches, both of these guys, after they started out the year well, they have seen a little bit of a nosedive in terms of their production as well. And for the Cleveland Guardians, this is a team that they've got right in the neighbor about 63, 64 home runs thus far this season. And I believe that entering into Tuesday, just 22 of them have been at home. This team has not been able to hit the deep ball when they have been in Cleveland, though I will say. They've got guys getting on base as Josh Naylor along with Stephen Kwan. Both earning a 280 under Semenez, more around a 300. Jose Ramirez, 285 batting average with 65 plus RBI. And for Framil Reyes, ever since he has come off the injured list, it has been very, very good for him, hitting a 270 since coming off the injured list with five home runs in his first 74 at bats. That is a very positive sign, but you're seeing the catcher spot being untrustworthy for this team. Ernie Clement, you're able to throw in there. As well, Miles Straw. These guys have not been able to get on base for the team or for the Chicago White Sox. They do a better job of hitting lefties versus righties. And Aaron Savali, he is a righty, but he's up Tim Anderson hitting right around at 310 for the sponge. Andrew Bond, Luis Robert, along with Jose Abreu. They're in between about a 280 to a 300 in for Abreu. Hitting right around 335 over the last three days. Eloy Jimenez is out back in the fold for the team. You need a little bit more out of guys like Lurie Garcia at the bottom, but Sebi Zavala, who's been filling in for Yasmani Grandal, hitting above a 300 as well. I do think that the White Sox generated enough offense to be able to get it done. Both of these starters have been relatively untrustworthy, so I did wind up saying my total at a 9.3 as well. So I'm going to be taking a look at this total over, and I'm going to be riding with the White Sox as we go 9-17-9-18 on the bank board. The Oakland A's hit the road to face off against the Walker Texas Rangers as 55 Shades of John Gray is going to be on the bump for the Rangers. And Paul Blackburn walks the plank for Oakland. Oakland is finding themselves as an underdog. Anywhere between plus 160 and plus 175. Meanwhile, the Rangers anywhere between minus 178 and minus 190. 8 is your total. The over and the under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. I did by saying my total as 7.3. Paul Blackburn has been very solid on the road and for John Gray, he's been able to do a really good job with his swing and miss stuff. For John Gray this far this season, he's been able to get right around 10 punch outs per 9 innings in the neighborhood about 1.1 home runs per 9 innings, 3 walks per 9, but you take a look at what he's been able to do in Arlington. A little bit better than on the road now. Very limited sample size out of his 15 starts. Just four of them have wound up coming at home, but he has been able to do a nice job of being able to hold it down. 380 ERA overall, and you take a look at John Gray over his last six starts, posting up a 245 ERA. Has given up five home runs in 36 and two-thirds innings in that time span, but the swing and miss stuff has been supreme. North of 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings, and for Paul Blackburn, he is a little bit more of a pitcher pick contact guy. Right around 7.2 to 7.3 strikeouts per nine innings, but keeps the ball in the yard, giving up right around 2.2 walks per nine innings. A little bit under a home run per nine, and it's amazing because Oakland is one of the more pitcher-friendly ballparks. You're going to find out there in the big leagues, 675 home ERA compared to a road ERA of a buck 28. He's doing for some positive progression at home, negative regression on the road. I think that that's very fair to say as opponents are about 86 points lower off of him on the road rather than at home, and he's given up two home runs of 56 in a third innings when he has been away from home, and this is a Texas Rangers lineup that it's very balanced. You do have that one guy in Corey Seager that has been able to do a good job of being able to supply 20 home runs, but got a lot of guys like Adolis Garcia, Seager, Marcus Simeon, Josh Smith, Charlie Culverson, 
all guys hanging between about a 235 to a 245. And then on top of that, you've got Simeon along with Nate Lowe, who have both been able to give you 11 to 12 home runs. Lowe has been able to give you a 280 batting average. Leody Tavares done a nice job of being able to reach base, and really the entire catcher spot for Texas has been good. And for the Oakland A's, you had one guy in the starting lineup yesterday hitting above a 241 entering into the game, and that was someone with 23 at-bats in V-Mel Machine. So, not too terrific there. Seth Brown is the only guy in this lineup that has been able to give you 10-plus home runs, and whether it be against righties, whether it be against lefties, at home, on the road, this Oakland A's team just absolutely embarrassing in terms of the bets, and for the A's, you actually do have a couple okay bullpen pieces overall. The bullpen has started to regress a little bit, but Zach Jackson, Domingo Acevedo, throwing their A.J. Puck and Sam Maul, all these guys have been able to give you a sub-360 ERA for the Texas Rangers. This is a top-10 team in terms of bullpen ERA as well, as you've had Brock Burke really doing a tremendous job for the team. Right around a buck 22 ERA, Dennis Santana starting to regress a little bit, but he's got right around 2-4 ERA. Matt Moore, failed starter. Bullpen guy has been solid though, as he's been providing right around a buck ninety ERA. Garrett Richards has been able to give you some good innings as well. So I do think that John Gray is going to be able to go out there and is going to be able to give a relatively dominant start. But I think that Paul Blackburn being north of a plus one sixty just a little bit too lofty because I was willing to take anything of a plus one fifty or greater. And on top of that, for John Gray throughout his career, whenever he's made a start outside of Colorado, because he wound up actually beginning his career with the Rockies, he's got an ERA that is north of a 4-4 in those starts. So that is a little bit of an issue here. So I'm going to be willing to take that big plus price that we are currently getting with the Oakland A's, despite the lineup being, shall we say, a little bit less than trustworthy and making my total 7.3. So looking at the 8 under as well. Now we wind up going to buy DK Nation pick of 919-920 on the betting board. The Houston Astros, they throw it face off against the LA Angels as it's showtime. Shoei Otani is going to be going for the Angels and Christian Avier is going to be on the bump for the Astros. The Astros are finding themselves as an underdog. Anywhere between plus 115 and plus 118. Meanwhile, for the Angels, it is anywhere between minus 126 and minus 135. 7.5 is your total. The over and the under are both at minus 110. And with the Houston Astros, I do recognize that Jordan Alvarez is going to be out of the fold for the team, but we are going to be trusting in Christian Avier. I set the Astros as a very slight favorite, so the DK Nation pick is going to be on the Houston Astros. And when it comes to Christian Avier, swing and miss stuff has been absolutely amazing for him. As he's posting up right around 13 strikeouts per nine innings, the home runs per nine rate, he's been able to keep the ball in the yard as well. Right around one home run per nine innings and a lot of Christian Javier's best recent performances have been on the road. Now he has a 356 road ERA compared to a 264 ERA at home, but the two home runs in 30 and a third innings allowed on the road. He wound up having that combined no-hitter against the New York Yankees at Yankee Stadium. And then for Shoy Otani, he's been able to do a very solid job as well. You take a look at him, home and road, 213 home ERA, 279 ERA on the road, and his home runs per nine rate, that is hovering right in the neighborhood, about .9 his strikeouts per nine rate. He's been able to get a little bit over 12 punch outs, so he's been able to do a solid job with opponents taking a 200 off of him, but even without Jordan Alvarez, this is still an Astros team that has been able to do a good job of having a lot of guys being able to put bat to ball, so one of the best teams in terms of fewest strikeouts on a per-at-bat basis with Kyle Tucker along with Jose Altuve giving you 17 home runs, Altuve, he's able to hit a 280 on Kyle Tucker, hanging in the pocket of about a 260. Jeremy Pena has been dealing with a little bit of an injury for this team, so that has been a tad bit rough, but 
should be available for this one. Alex Bregman right around a 360 on base as well. Bottom of the fold, guys like Chaz McCormick, Yoli Gurriel, Elamendi Ziaz are in between about a 230 to a 240, but they've been picking up recently as well. And for the LA Angels, it's just a terrible bullpen at this point. Rossi Iglesias, Aaron Loop, Ryan Tapera, your 7th through ninth inning guys posting up north of a 350 ERA. Now the lineup, you do have Mike Trout who's been able to give you 24 home runs. He's been with it about a 270, but he's been in a pretty big funk over the last, we're going to call it three or so weeks. Joey Otani and Jared Walsh have both been able to hit between about a 245 to a 255 with Otani going deep 19 times. Taylor Ward, he's been able to hit overall for the year a 295, but take a look at his last three days ever since he wanted coming off the injured list. He has not necessarily been himself hitting more like a 245, two home runs in his last nearly 100 at bats. So that has really slowed down a little bit for him with the Angels. It's really been guys like Jose Quijan and company that have been the best out there in the bullpen for the team and the Astros. They and the Yankees have been jockeying one and two in terms of bullpen ERA. Ryan Sanic along Seth Martinez have a sub one ERA. Rafael Montero a sub two ERA. Ryan Presley has been able to do a solid job out there in the bullpen. Even someone like a Brian Abreu has been able to come in. He's been able to give you some good innings. I do feel like the Astros should be the favorite in this game the way that Christian Javier has been able to pitch down the stretch away that his swing and miss stuff has been so good and the Angels are just relatively untrustworthy at this point. So I did wind up making the Astros a minus one of six favorite. Their money line is the DK Nation pick. I do think that Otani and Javier both going to be able to pitch very well in this spot and the Astros they've been your top under team out there in baseball thus far this season. So taking the 7.5 under semi-total at 7.3 and the DK Nation pick on the Astros. 921-922 on the betting board. This game is off the board as the Seattle Mariners they hit the road. They're going to be facing off against the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty Wap is going to be going for the Washington Nationals. Right now, I've got an handicapped as if Tommy Malone is going to be going for the Seattle Mariners. And if you wind up getting a bullpen game, it's going to be a relatively similar handicap. Though the Seattle Mariners have been able to get a little bit hot, I did wind up saying the Nationals as a minus 114 favorite because Tommy Malone is 35 years old. He's not necessarily been a trustworthy pitcher over the last few years in general, though. I will say, for the Seattle Mariners over the last 30 days, second best bullpen ERA in the big leagues. These guys are probably going to wind up eating a lot of innings at this point, and this becomes amplified by the fact that as I'm doing this podcast, it's going to be a doubleheader too, so I'm going to give you guys that preview in a minute as well, as I've got to think that we're going to get the same two pitchers that we were supposed to get on Tuesday with that regard, but just taking a look at this game too. For the Seattle Mariners, you've got to think that they are going to be trotting out there a lot of bullpen guys in general, and You've been able to have Penn Murphy do a solid job. He's been able to give you right in the neighborhood about a two-ish ERA. Matthew Festa's resurfaced for the big league club, and after he wanted being out for quite a while, ever since he's come back, he's looked relatively solid. Four scoreless outings for him. Ryan Baruki has been able to give you 250 ERA. Diego Castillo still for the year as a north of four ERA, but take a look at the last three days. Buck 80 ERA. This guy's really been able to rein it in as well. And for the Seattle Mariners, you've got a very solid lineup that involves a pair of guys with 15 home runs in Anjuno Suarez along with Julio Rodriguez. Rodriguez sitting at 275 for this bunch. Both of these guys right around a 335 on base. J.P. Crawford sitting at 265. He has had a little bit of a fall off since he was pretty hot at the beginning of the season over the last three days for J.P. Crawford hitting just a buck 80, but last 15 days sitting at 270. So looks like he's out of his funk. Big thing for the Mariners is behind the fold. Guys like Dylan Moore, Cal Raleigh, Abraham Toro. These guys ran below the middle line of 200. Jesse Winker, whenever he's been out there, as he's been serving a suspension, not necessarily been too great for him as well. And I believe that he's still suspended for this game. Doesn't really make too much of a difference. But you get back Ty France hitting above a 350. Should be in the All-Star game, by the way. And for the Washington Nationals, 
Power is not there. They are currently dead last in the National League in terms of home runs as you've had Josh Bell be able to give you 12 home runs. He's hitting a 300 for the season and Juan Soto has now been able to pick it up. He's got 17 home runs this season and he has been able to slug out Four home runs over his last 73 at-bats. Three home runs over the last 15 days. And in the last 15 days, he's hitting above a 400. So, that's been rock solid. But still, you just expected more from a guy that was the odds-on favorite to win National League MVP. And then got a lot of guys towards the middle of the fold. Hitting right that neighborhood above. We're going to call it a 230 and a 245. So, I mentioned a little bit earlier. Mikel Franco, Victor Robles, Nelson Cruz, Cesar Hernandez. Oh, and there, Kibera Weiss. So, we have a bit about a 255 and Luis Garcia, Yadiel Hernandez, they've been able to do a solid job of being able to reach base, but for the Nationals, especially in a double dip scenario, you've got a lot less faith in this bullpen as Andres Machado is north of a four-year A. Kyle Finnegan has been all over the place. Hunter Harvey is someone that's now back up at the big league level. Carl Edwards Jr., he's been one of your better relievers. He's got a 345 ERA, but a 711 ERA over the last 15 days. He's always open to giving up runs. Steve Ciszek has been far from terrific as well, but for Eric Fetty, he's not been bad for the team. He does have right around a 5-ish ERA, but more like a 460 ERA at home. He has been having a little bit of an issue in terms of walks, giving up 4.3 walks per 9 innings. He home runs per 9 rate that hovers in the neighborhood about 1.3 with opponents getting a 260 off of him. So, Fetty been a little bit up and down. That's been representative of his last 5 starts where he's had right around a 533 ERA. He's been able to cut down on the walks a little bit, but giving up 5 home runs in 25 and a third innings, not necessarily a great sight there. So, in Eric Fetty versus what we think is going to be a bullpen game, and it looks like this is a actually going to be game one of this double dip. I did wind up saying the Washington Nationals as a minus 114 favorite and did wind up making a little bit more of a lofty total on this one. Nine or less, I'd be taking a look at the over and a nine and a half or higher. We'll be taking a look at the under and then this is now a twin bill as you got to figure that we're going to be getting the same two starters that we wound up seeing on Tuesday that were supposed to go Chris Flexen and Josiah Gray. This wound up closing when it wanted going off the board with the Nationals being between a minus 112 to a minus 120 favorite for Seattle. You're finding them anywhere between even money and plus 107 with a total of 9 with the juice minus 120 to minus 125 on the over the under. Anywhere between even and plus 105 and on the 9 I was willing to go under on it. I do wind up saying the Mariners as a minus 124 favorite for Chris Flexen. Been a teeter-totterish sort of season. He has been giving up right around 3 bucks per 9 innings but I like the way that he's been able to pitch recently as really the entire Seattle Mariners as I was speaking glowingly about how the bullpen has been pitching. Really, the entirety of the Seattle Mariners team has been able to step up very well. As for Flexen, he has given up three runs or fewer in every one of his starts really since Memorial Day. Each out of the last seven starts for him, that has been rock solid after he wound up getting off to a kind of close but really bad start to the season. And it's been pretty equal home to road. 392 home ERA, 407 ERA on the road. Opponents are getting about a 267 overall off of him. That's been a little bit of an issue. And righties have really feasted on him. He's pitching really well against left-handed hitting. Hitting right around a 231 lefties are against him compared to a 293 against righties. So a little bit of a split there. But then you do take a look at this Washington National team and it turned out there's someone in Josiah Gray who's been significantly worse at home than he has been on the road. I have no idea how. I have no idea why. But with Josiah Gray, overall, 7-5 record, 414 ERA, but 642 home ERA, 214 ERA on the road, giving up 11 bombs in 40 and two-thirds innings at home, 7 bombs in 46 and a third innings on the road, with opponents hitting 90 points higher off of him at home rather than on the road. It really makes no sense. The walks are a little bit of an issue for Josiah Gray as well. 3.7 walks per nine innings, and I do think that 
he's going to see a little bit of positive progression with the deep ball, and he's been pitching better recently. Three runs of fear given up in four out of his last five starts, but if we do wind up getting Flexen versus Josiah Gray once again, setting the Mariners at a minus 124, and I would be taking that nine under as well, but this is subject to a little bit of change because, well, we wind up getting a little bit of a double dip that wanted coming out of nowhere. 923-924 on the betting board. You've got the Milwaukee Brewers are going to be in the red face off against the Minnesota Twins. Joe Ryan is going to be on the bump for the Twins, and Aaron Ashby is on the bump for the Brewers. The Brewers are finding themselves as underdogs, any between plus 119 and plus 125. Meanwhile, for Minnesota, you're going to be getting them between minus 128 and minus 140. 8.5-9 is your total on the 8.5. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 9. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. I do want to say in this total... 8.3, so I'm going to be taking a look at this total under. Big reason why is that you've got a Milwaukee Brewers team that they just don't have a lot of firepower in general out there, and we did wind up seeing a little bit of a strange rain delay yesterday. you got to wonder if that's going to have a little bit of an effect on these two teams as well, but when it comes to this Brewers bunch, you take a look at what they wanted trotting out there on Tuesday. They did not have a single guy hitting above a 255 in the lineup. As you do have quite a few guys that they're sort of hitting in that fold of, I would say, about a 245 to a 255. They've got Hunter Renfro back in the fold. Christian Yelich was out of the starting lineup yesterday, but he's in there. Omar Narvaez, Andrew McCutcheon, Jace Peterson, they're all sort of in that fold. And then you do have Rowdy Tellez along with Willie Adams, both giving you 17 home runs as far this season. But I mean, with Willie Adams, he's hitting at 220 right now. Tellez, he and Luis Odias, they're hitting right around at 230. So that's been a little bit of an issue. And for the Minnesota Twins, you've got one of the best table setters in baseball, Luis Arias, hitting nearly a 3 of 50 for this team. Carlos Correa, he's been seeing a little bit of a dip in his average, hitting at 280 overall this season. You take a look at the last 30 days, and he's been hitting more in the pocket of about a 250, more specifically the last 21 days, hitting below the Bedos line of 200, but still a relatively solid bat. And then you've got on top of that Andrew Kurloff, Nick Gordon, Gio Rochelle, hitting between about a 260 to a 270. Really your lone power hitter for this team thus far this season has been Byron Buxton. 23 home runs, getting home run every 11 or so at best. You are going to need a little bit more power. Perhaps Miguel Sano is going to be on the way for the team, but for the Minnesota Twins, I also do think that in terms of overall bullpen depth, they've got a little bit of an edge here as well. Now with the Milwaukee Brewers, you've got Devin Williams, Josh Shader, that dynamic 8th and ninth inning duo, and I will say, Obi Milner, Brad Boxberger, sub-3 ERAs, that's relatively solid, but John Del Gustave, Trevor Gott, these are guys that you don't want to necessarily have a lot of faith in. Meanwhile, Griffin Jacks, you Duran. They're able to give you multiple innings, and both of these guys have been able to post up sub-3-3 ERAs as far this season. Trevor McGill is able to give you multiple innings. He's posting up a 275 ERA. Giovanni Murren, sub-2 ERA himself. And for Joe Ryan, just a steady Eddie pitcher that he doesn't necessarily do one thing great, but he's just very solid all across the board. He's been giving up right around one home run per nine innings. His walks per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood about two and a half. He gets eight strikeouts per nine innings. Doesn't necessarily have demonstrative splits. Home and road, 323 home ERA, 290 road ERA. I really like the way that this guy throws. And then for Aaron Ashby, he's got really good stuff. He just is not able to control it at this point. With Ashby, 63 and two-thirds innings with 29 walks, so a little bit over four walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, hovering more in the neighborhood about a 10.5, but you do take a look at Aaron Ashby on the road. 516 ERA compared to a 295 at home because he has been giving up the deep ball a little bit more. He's given up just three home runs at home, six bombs on the road, and I will say he's pitched most of his innings 
on the road, so that is a little bit of a disclaimer, but opponents are nearly 80 points higher off of him when he is on the road, so that's a little bit of an issue. I've got more faith here in Joe Ryan being able to get the job done because I do think that Aaron Ashby, he's going to wind up allowing a few walks in with how wonky things were yesterday with the Brewers as well. I think that that could wind up playing a little bit of a factor here. I do wind up setting as a result. The Minnesota Twins has a minus 142 favorite. Don't really want the run line here, but willing to lay about a minus 132, a minus 135 with the Twins, so willing to take that up by total at 8.3 as well, so looking under as well, 925-926 on the main board. The Cincinnati Reds, yes, we are on the Cincinnati, and they're onto the road. They're facing off against the New York Yankees. Luis Severino is going to be on the bump for the Yankees, and Mike Miner open to not be a major disappointment for the Cincinnati Reds and the Red Legs. They are finding themselves as a very sizable underdog here. You're going to be finding them anywhere between about a plus 255 to a plus 284 dog. Meanwhile, for the New York Yankees, and between minus three dollars and minus three twenty is their price. Nine is your total. The under is anywhere between minus one ten and minus one twenty. The over is anywhere between even and minus one ten. We were talking about this Reds team a little bit earlier with Andy Sabo, and if they wound up having one of their younger starters out there, I could perhaps advocate for a play on the Cincinnati Reds here. Mike Miner just does not do it for me. Mike Miner has been absolutely terrible this year, and it's just one of these cases in which you hope that the Reds wind up giving a few younger guys an opportunity because even someone like your Graham Ashcraft, who wound up taking the bump yesterday, he's shown some good signs. But prior to him getting hurt, Connor Overton was doing a solid job. Guys like Mike Miner that they picked up off the scrap heap just have not been able to do a good job. We've seen that in the bullpen as well. Hunter Strickland along with Luis Sessa. Both of them have north of a 4-5 ERA. This is a Reds team that they are dead last in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. And it's by nearly a full point. So they have really been hurt there. And for Mike Miner... He's just giving up the deep ball right now. He's given up 2.8 home runs per nine innings, and now he has to pitch in Yankee Stadium against this lineup. That's not necessarily too terrific for Miner. He does give up right around three blocks per nine innings. And when it comes to home and road splits of Mike Miner, it has been a case of which it's been relatively bad in both environments. 608 home ERA, 794 ERA on the road with bonus overall. And get 278 off of him for Luis Severino. He's been able to do his best work at home overall this season. Severino has been able to give you on a strikeouts per nine rate right around around 10 to 10 and a half. So it's been solid there. Opponents are a 205 off of them and a 262 home ERA compared to a 366 ERA on the road for Severino. And this is a Yankees bunch that you've got a pair of guys that are able to give you north of 20 home runs that aren't named Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton along with Anthony Rizzo. Both of these guys, you'd like to see them pick it up with the batting average a little bit. They're both hitting between about a 225 to a 235. But I mean, that said, I mean, Anthony Rizzo has certainly been able to do his part. He had a few more RBI yesterday. Glaber Torres, DJ Turner, up Lemayu, Jose Trevino, Isaac Kinner, Falefa. These guys are even drinking about a 260 to a 270, even a little bit higher for Glaber Torres as well. And then on top of that, Judge, he wound up missing yesterday's game. You got to figure that he's probably going to be able to come back in the fold towards back half of this series. The 30 plus home runs have been amazing. Even Joey Gallo has been able to give you the deep ball, though. The Buck 70 batting average, that's not great. But with the New York Yankees, what is terrific, the bullpen of this team, even with their hiccups out there in Boston, they have been one of the top teams in terms of bullpen ERA. Albert Abreu has been able to deliver some good innings all season long as he's got a sub-3 ERA. Lucas Lutke, after he wound up having a really bad start to the season, sub-2 ERA over his last 35 days. Clay Holmes has a sub-1 ERA overall for the season. Wandy Peralta has been able to do a solid job. And this is a Reds lineup that they can do their part in terms of an over because you do have Brandon Drury, who we mentioned with Annie, 18 home runs, sitting at 275. He has been one of the better surprises out there in baseball thus far. Joey Votto, he is back off the injured list. 
Ever since he wound up having his COVID IL send, he's been able to give you right around a 340 on base. You've been able to get some really good production out of Tyler Stevenson, who wound up missing some time. He's hitting above a 300. And then you've got guys like a Taylor Naquin, Tommy Pham, hitting in that neighborhood about a 245 to a 250. Nick Senzel, he's been hitting a little bit above that along with Kyle Farmer as well. So not necessarily the worst Reds lineup out there in the world. Just a case in which I think that Mike Miner is going to get completely tattooed. Right now we're seeing the Yankees run line at a minus 145. I was willing to lay up to about a a minus 160 here, and I set the Yankees as a minus 320 favorite, just a case in which I can't back Mike Miner. I do think that Reds wind up getting a few runs, but I think that the Yankees won a little bit of a slugfest. Set my total a little bit north of 9 at a 9.2, so looking at the over and looking at the Yankees on the run line. 9.27, 9.28 on the bank board. The Philadelphia Phillies at the road face-off against the Toronto Blue Jays as Ross Stripling is going to be going for the Jays, and Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is on the bump for the Phillies. This is a game that's presently off the board. There was a little bit of question mark as to what was going to be going on both with the Phillies rotation and the Toronto Blue Jays rotation because the Phillies need to do some maneuvering with regards to the Canada COVID-19 restrictions that are out there, but with that said, with regards to Wheeler against Ross Stripling, I did wind up saying the Philadelphia Phillies as a minus 118 favorite, and I made my total to wear an 8 or less. I'll be taking a look at an over 8.5 prior to the under. Zach Wheeler has not necessarily been the same pitcher when he's been away from home than at home, but still, overall the season has been able to do a nice job of being able to get some swings and misses. He's posting up a little bit over 10 punch outs per 9 innings. 366 or ODRA to a .62. ERA to my point a little bit earlier about those splits, but I mean, in both environments, he has not given up a lot of home runs. Five home runs given up in 95 innings thus far across 16 starts thus far this season. That's home runs per nine rate. A little bit below a half a home run, so that has been terrific. And then for Ross Stripling, has been a case where he's really been able to rise up for the team. 351 home ERA, 318 ERA on the road. He's been able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up about .7 home runs per nine innings, sub two walks per nine innings with Wheeler. You've also got to be highlighting his command as well. Two walks per nine innings of him as well, so both of these guys don't put guys on cheaply. And after what we wound up seeing in the game on Tuesday, you got to figure that both of these teams are probably not going to want to go to their bullpen necessarily a whole lot. It's a Blue Jays bullpen that in general, not necessarily trustworthy. Tim Mesa, Adam Simber, both of these guys have been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA, and David Phelps has been solid as well. Trevor Richards, north of a 5 ERA. Sergio Romo, he's posting up north of a 6 ERA. Maximo Castillo has been able to give you a couple solid innings, but he's more of a long guy. And then for the Philadelphia Phillies, Corey Canable in the 7th inning has been able to do a relatively solid job. Brad Hanser, Anthony Dominguez, you like these guys, but Nick Duran is someone that you might need to look to for innings along with Michael Kelly. That's not necessarily too ideal, but for the Philadelphia Phillies, you do have the mashers on this team, like Kyle Schwarber, who's been able to do a very solid job with a 330 on base and 28 home runs thus far this season. And you've got a lot of balance towards the middle of the lineup. Has Matt Veerling, Odubo Herrera, Nick Cassianos, Reese Hoskins, only between about a 242 and 250. Didi Gregorius is around that fold as well. Don't necessarily have a lot of power outside of Schwarber along with Reese Hoskins. It's Hoskins. He's got 18 home runs, and this man has heated up over the last month. He's hitting at 300 with 7 home runs over his last 30 days, so that has been big, but you do have a Blue Jays lineup that they can sometimes be a little bit touch and go in terms of their home run power, though you've got George Springer, Boba Shett, along with Liger Jr., Greer Jr., 19 home runs. Springer has been able to give you 17 as well. Alejandro Kirk, coupled with Lourdes Gurriel. These two guys hitting a 300 as well. Matt Chapman has been able to give you 13 home runs. Still not necessarily the world's greatest with the bat. You're 
taking a look at him, and he's more out there for the glove, but with Ross Stripling, I do think that he's going to be able to deliver a solid performance with the Phillies. They've been in the top five in terms of bullpen ERA over the last 30 days. I think that that is going to be the big difference in this one. I think that Zach is going to be wheeling and dealing once again at the Phillies as a minus 118 favorite, and Interless looking at an over 8.5 prior to the under. We wrap things up with 929-930 on the main board. The Baltimore Orioles, they throw to face off against the Chicago Cubs. Justin Seal is going to be going for the Cubs, and Spencer Watkins is on the bump for the Orioles, and this is a game that is also currently off the board. I did wind up saying the Cubs as a minus 134 favorite, and this is a total in which I want to say at an 8.6. 8.5 or less going to be looking at an over 9 or higher to the under now. Looks like the wind is going to be blowing in right around 8-ish miles per hour, give or take a little bit, but with Spencer Watkins, even though he has been significantly better this year than he was last year. Last year, he had an ADRA, giving up nearly three home runs per nine innings. It was an Albatross, and he's given up a combined three runs, two of which were earned over the course of his last three starts. I do think that he is doing for a little bit of regression. Watkins, still not a guy that gives you very much swing and miss whatsoever. I mean, he's getting right around five strikeouts per nine innings. His walks per nine rate still hovering in the neighborhood above three and a half ever since he wanted coming up since. I believe that he was a combination of hurt and sent down to the minor leagues. He has been much better, but I've got a little bit more faith in Justin Steele now. With Steele, the big thing with him is being able to control the walks. He's been giving up right around 4.2 to 4.3 walks per nine innings, but nine strikeouts per nine innings at only 314 ERA compared to a 586 on the road, and he's able to keep the ball in the yard. This is someone that has been giving up right around 0.6 home runs per nine innings with the Chicago Cubs. You do have quite a few guys in the fold that are able to get on base as well as Patrick Wisdom has been able to do a nice job being able to put back to ball. He's got 17 home runs thus far this season. Now, he's also on pace for well over 200 strikeouts this season, but Wilson Gutierrez is back in the fold. He, C.A. Suzuki, Rafael Ortega, along with David Bode, they're all hitting between about a 255 to a 270 with Gutierrez, a double-digit amount of formers, a 380 on base. Ian App, he went deep yesterday. He's hitting a 280 with north of a 370 on base as well. Nico Horner has been able to hit above a 300, so that's been rock solid. And then for the Baltimore Orioles, Trey Boomer Mancini, Brian Mountcastle, in between a 275 to a 285 has been good, along with Mountcastle and Anthony Santander giving you a combined 29 home runs as far as the season. Cedric Mullins, after a rough start to the season, saying a 260. Now, guys at the bottom, like Adelie Rushman, Rude Oye Mateo, hitting a 225 or lower. It's a little bit tough, but for Mateo, one of the best base healers out there in the big leagues, very good with glove, Rude Andador, has been able to provide a little bit of power. And for the Baltimore Orioles, bullpen has been absolutely amazing for the team. Keegan Aiken, if he needs to be in for long relief, and he might need to be in this game, he's got a sub-2-5 ERA, and then you've got a lot more one-inning specialists that have been able to post up a a 250 ERA or lower like Joey Creeble. You're able to throw in there Felix Batista, Ore Lopez, CNL Perez. These guys have all been amazing for the team and for the Chicago Cubs. Bullpen has been a hot mess to say the least. Rowan Wick, Scott Efforts, who are very solid at the beginning of the season. Have regressed, so I will say for Scott Efforts, he's been able to balance things out. He's back to right around 3 ERA. Meanwhile, for Rowan Wick, it's a 5 ERA. Mark Later Jr., it's a 5 ERA. Matt Schwarmer is being used in the long relief. He was a failure there. Michael Rucker is not been able to give you too much whatsoever. You've been able to get some production whenever you've been able to get to David Robertson. And then you've also been able to get a couple solid innings out of Michael Gibbons, who's got a 3 ERA as well, but not necessarily the strong suit of the Cubs. But I do think that the bad Spencer Watkins is a very good possibility of being able to show up here. And I do like the way that Justin Seal has been able to pitch in Wrigley Field. So I did wind up saying the Cubs minus 134 in this spot, 8.5 or less, looking at the over 9 or higher to the under. And that will wrap things up for the 
Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. A big thanks to Annie Sabo, who does a great job over there at Bally Sports Cincinnati slash Northwest. She does a great job taking a look at the Cincinnati Reds doing their pre- and post-game hosting over there. And if you do like sharing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letter CM. I mean, it does not matter. Size per usual. Please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. And that means I'm going to be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.